more than anything is just a horse that won't quit. There's no way he finishes. I owe him the chance. Get up. I'm Tim Finley, and this is To Live With Honor. Chapter 8. Fear. We can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. Plato. I need your help with honor. God, I wish I had thought of that savings fund sooner. It was November 2011, and even the mornings felt more pleasant. What is it? (laughs) As if it mattered. Protesting would be a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. Trash, bills, honor, they're going to get done. I need to convince him to get on the trailer. She poured cereal into a coffee mug. Why don't you get a bowl like normal people? I always eat cereal out of a mug, you know this. Neanderthals invented bowls for things like cereal at the beginning of the Paleolithic period. A bowl is too big. I like using a mug. I can hold it. You can hold a bowl. Yeah, but this has a handle. And personality. She held it up, showing off cows painted like American flags. I returned a heavy-eyed stare. Don't change the subject. Apologies. Go on. So you know how Honor has this thing for floor mats, right? Well, guess what? The trailer is chock full of them. He won't even approach the door. He's not going to be much of anything if we can't take him out of the paddock. Of course, that's if the fences themselves don't kill him. So what's the plan, Horse Whisperer? I have a strategy I want to try. Her eyebrows raised as she shoveled a spoonful into her mouth. She leaned back against the kitchen island as I sat at the dining table. I looked out the window at Honor grazing. Which is? Pull him onto the trailer and then give him a shit ton of grain. Just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. She snorted milk into her sinuses then coughed. (laughs) No. Giggling. She dug her spoon into her cow mug. Fool fixes everything. Just like that, huh? Just lead him up, give him grain. Seems easy enough. Why don't we just ask him to load himself? Or better yet, tell him floor mats are harmless. While you're at it, explain to him how fences are supposed to work. Save us the effort. Yeah, yelling at him to stop running doesn't seem to work either. So what are my duties in all of this? She pointed out to the paddock with her spoon while peering over the top of her naughty librarian glasses. You... She paused. ...are going to coax him into the trailer from the back end. I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. If it makes you feel any better, there's no escape hatch on the trailer, and I'm the one who's going to be in that confined space with him. No, not at all, actually. Let's get this straight. You want me to stand behind that thousand-pound psychopath, and in some unknown fashion... Urge him toward a confined box lined with his worst and only phobia. This plan is awful. It, is this a murder plot? I mean, the least you could have done is waited till after the wedding and collected the life insurance. If I wanted you dead, don't you think we would have crossed that bridge already? She looked up from her mug, raising an evil eyebrow. 
disturbingly sound logic. Anywho, if things get hairy, just, you know. She spun her spoon in the air to illustrate. Get out of the way. Look, I have no idea what you want me to do, but I will go outside and stand between a panicked half-ton animal and his only line of retreat. I feel like there's a terrible marriage metaphor buried somewhere in all of this. She finished her breakfast, and we went outside. Missy handed me the lead rope, horse attached, and backed the truck and trailer up to the paddock gate. After seven attempts to line the trailer with the gate, we traded. Standard procedure. We parked the trailer so the gate and the trailer door created an eight-foot-wide loading chute into the trailer. I held a curious honor, noting the oncoming irony. So... I slithered my way into my words. You do remember the night I brought him home, right? That whole bonkers, destructive, I-hate-everything horse extravaganza? Yeah. He jumped out of the trailer through a chute just like this one. Not to, not to wee-wee on your parade, but you're about to ask him to go back the way he came. Are you sure you need my help? I could maybe, I don't know, not do this. That might be of more use. Nope, Honor needs your help. She unlatched the stall partitions inside the trailer. Her response was certain and terse. Okay, I'll be here, the trampled guy. Hope you're into necrophilia. I trailed off into mumbling, knowing she wasn't listening. Okay, let's give this a go. She snatched the bucket of grain off the ground and gave Honor a handful that he inhaled. Good boy. She rubbed up and down his face. Love you, you know, just in case I don't get another chance to say it. She smiled. Aw, babe, that's sweet. I love you too. She tilted her head to the side with a grin. So damn casual. She gripped the rope with one hand, draped the grain bucket over her other forearm, and held a handful of bits in a fist. Missy walked Honor into the chute. Honor's curiosity snapped to visible apprehension. His head twitched from side to side, inspecting the confines. Missy soothed his nerves with grain. Honor paused and snorted the ground after finishing his handful. His feet dug roots into the soil. His neck waved to and fro, looking, inquiring, wondering, and worrying. Missy fed him another handful. His brain and attention bounced back and forth between the narcotic grain and the life-threatening black mats. The two impulses smashed against each other like two trains headlong on the same rail. A horse lost in cognitive dissonance is both comedic and dangerous. She stoked his grain addiction, bringing him closer and closer, while I... I don't know what I was doing. To this day, I have no idea what the hell I was doing, aside from saying things like, Go on, get up there, yeah! I saw it in a movie once. Honor approached the trailer with suspicion. He sniffed at the step up. Missy tugged on the lead rope Honor gave to it, extending his snout toward her, tiptoeing closer to the bumper on shaky legs. His front shins rested against the step up. His nose scoured the floor shavings, blowing them around with heavy blasts of interrogative snorts. Missy fed him some more. The gyros in Honor's brain spewed smoke out his ears. 
He insisted on more grain. He had to have more. But Missy was so far inside this box thing with floor mat demons. He lifted a front hoof, then set it down. Picked it up again, then set it down. He bent his knee, then straightened it. He tried the other hoof, as if it might be less wary. He tested the step up. Nope. Back to the ground. Back and forth, Honor calculated and recalculated the best approach. He tossed his left hoof up onto the trailer, but bore no weight. He dragged it back and replanted it on terra firma. Missy held the entire bucket in front of him. This was more than Honor's addiction could bear. She offered the whole bucket. Honor's back feet shuffled up close to his front hooves. He leaned in as far as his wiry neck would allow, squirming his lip, begging that the bucket inches from his nose would just almost not quite. Honor teetered like an elephant on a power line. Caution to the wind, Honor bounded both front feet onto the trailer without thinking. His hooves splayed wider than natural, as if slamming on the brakes without moving. Honor's ears pinned. For an eternal split second, Honor seized, paralyzed. The world went silent. This tiny moment would have been a prime opportunity to reevaluate. Perhaps I could have taken that second to think, you know, I might be poorly positioned. But hey, I wasn't a horse person. Honor's hooves slid a fraction of an inch on the dusty mats. When your life flashes before your eyes, and all you see is a horse's ass, it's disheartening. Honor lost his shit. <laughs> Legs and horse tail flailed as he yanked back against the lead. His left hip slammed against the trailer door, crashing it like a cymbal, spooking him worse. In a jolt of adrenaline, I jumped backwards, bobbed to my left, and spun around to my right. A running back evading a half-ton linebacker. Out of the chute and into the paddock, dust erupted from the ground in thick spinning clouds. Honor's haunches squatted, hooves tenderized the earth as spasming muscles flexed in hysteria. He yanked Missy to the edge of the trailer. Honor's head flung about, trying to free his mind as much as his body. He swung his back into the left toward me. Like a ninja, I darted to my right, juking my hips away from swinging hocks and stomping hooves. Honor finally stilled to a restless halt at the entry of the chute. Red dust swarmed around him as his nostrils pulsed wide. His head towered in a sweaty mess, radar ears scanning. He swung his head back to me as if to say, Sorry, I panicked. Well... That wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm pretty sure she was serious. What? What? I, yeah, yeah, no. Definitely exceeded all expectations. Pretty pleased with that attempt. Obviously worth another shot, but can you give me a second, though? I, I, I gotta go change my underwear. Okay, well, rather than ruin his mind to it altogether, let's try the passive approach. Hmm. Go on. I nodded, 
I loved the sound of the word passive. It sounded safer. Here. She handed me the grain and proceeded to unlatch the rope from the halter. She hand-walked him to the edge of the trailer, which somehow made Honor okay with walking right back to where he was. I don't know. But this made as much sense to me as being afraid of floor mats. Horses and their humans are a strange lot. Missy fed him a handful to restart his curiosity. Again, he shuffled his hooves forward until he was in his awkward stance with all four hooves aligned. However, this time, rather than pull, Missy held the bucket in cruel, tantalizing fashion. She set it on the floor to gauge his reach. A light breeze from the north would have knocked Honor forward into the trailer. Every muscle in his juvenile body stretched in desperation. His nose wiggled back and forth, trying for that one necessary extra inch. Once this distance had been measured and tested, Missy poured all the grain out on the floor. Without any further delay, she shoved Honor out of the way and stepped out of the trailer. That's it? That's your plan? Cold as ice, Watson. But why was that plan B and not A? You realize that phobias are irrational, right? And he may starve before he gets over it? Horses are never rational, but they're not stupid. Besides, after training him, I have total faith this will be like everything else. He'll do it one time on his own, and then he'll be over it. We'll just leave him in the trailer there, coax him every once in a while, and then he'll eventually change his mind. But forcing him through this fear is just going to do more harm than good. Plus, I don't know what he went through before he got here. His fear may be well-founded, and that's the last thing I want to do is push him through that trauma all over again. That would be cruel. I dismissed her words, hiding how they cut. Yeah, it would. The trailer sat in the same place for three weeks. The gate and door were tied off to hold in place, and a pile of grain beckoned within its catacombs. Honor got his daily feedings, but every feeding was leveraged to encourage him to venture into the trailer. None of the efforts, though, worked. Honor stood powerless for hours, staring brokenhearted into the bowels of the beast hoarding a delicious treasure. On day 22 of coaxing, I climbed atop the fence for a smoke. A pathetic colt swung his crestfallen gaze to me and away from the entry of the taunting trailer. I sparked the lighter in a cupped hand to the dangling cigarette. You know, there was a time back before you when I wasn't afraid of much of anything. I mean, the, the dumbest stuff, like free solo rock climb. I, I, I'm acrophobic. And I would just climb it like it didn't matter. I just, the more scared I was, the more I went out of my way to laugh in its face. I guess that's the chief advantage of, of zealous youth. Your conscience is willing to bet big for the stupidest shit. Like, nothing really matters. Thinking, ah, it's just a debt I'll pay off when I grow up. <sighs> it's good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. Go ahead and add it up. Every cent's accounted for. Look, see this? That's a car. 275 thou. Might want to hold on to that one. <laughs> <laughs>
But the house that you're betting against, the house always makes money. So when those IOUs come due, if you're lucky enough to survive the wager, suddenly everything's high risk. And now you're jaded and dare not even play. It's a it's the full energy backswing of the pendulum. You don't even step to the table anymore. You're terrified. Terrified of, of anything volunteering to be scary. And you're salty now, too. But mostly just to cover up for how fucking scared you are. You, you know it's unreasonable. You know it. But you know to your core, you just don't give a shit. All you really want is someone to see you standing in the corner and pity you. And commend you for being so smart for not playing. Inside, you know it. You know it. You know that that thing you're afraid of is just a paper tiger. You know it. Yeah, you know it's just floor mats. <sighs> but you also know, and this part eats your soul alive, by not playing a hand, you're guaranteeing that you lose everything. It's just as slow as possible. And the, and the ones validating you? Let's be honest, they're just as scared, just as pathetic. Just fellow wallflowers standing stag at prom. And they see you as their validation. Victims congratulating each other on their victimhood. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. It's a great movie, by the way. Way underrated. I mean, it's got Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris, Sean Connery. You can't go wrong with that movie. Plot's a little thin, but it works. It's vintage 90s. You'd love it. <sighs> I wonder a lot what my men would think. The ones who did pay the house. The ones who were lured in with big flashy promises of jackpot valor. Or even the ones who paid the house debt so that some stupid kid didn't have to. I wonder, I wonder what they would truly say if they saw us standing here like this, petrified. I wonder if they'd be ashamed. And then I wonder, would it even make a difference? I don't know. He swung his head back toward the trailer and shifted his weight. I think I should tell you, though, I'm not ashamed of you. You're, you're a good horse. We all got our shit, man. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're just floor mats. I, I get it. But the boss is right. That trailer, that's your ticket out of these fences. And you will never be much of anything until you figure it out. And that, that's true. Go easy, man. I crushed out my cigarette and went back inside.
The next morning, we found Honor inside the trailer, canvassing every crevice for any bit of grain he may have missed. Honor lounged in the shade near the water trough. I crawled through the fence. The sun sparkled white overhead in its crystal blue canvas. I wore a t-shirt in the warm November breeze. We had purchased new blankets for our equines, including Honor's fancy navy blue attire with silver trimmings. Honor guard colors. It was Saturday, and Missy was off doing veterinarian assistant work, meaning I was solo on horse assignment. She asked me to accomplish the unfathomable. My mission, whether I chose to accept it or not, was to remove Honor's blanket due to the unseasonable heat. This was a terrible idea. I held the phone in one hand while examining Honor's ensemble. Horses, for some reason or another, are content to stare stupidly at a human for an indeterminate length of time. I wondered if generations of little girls had caused horses to evolve this social behavior. Ears perked, Honor had dopey eagerness smeared all over his face. His eyes spoke, Hello. In a slow, oafish baritone, over and over, Hello. like a skipping record. Hello. Was Honor's favorite word. Hello. Stop it. We're here for business. Business that I have no business doing. Hello. Honor's blanket was a spider web of straps, clasps, latches, canvas, and buckles, with a half-ton horse tangled in it. For as showy as the blanket was, it scared the shit out of me. He had only worn his blanket a few days, and even the concept of a horse blanket was new to him. He wasn't the only one. Yes, Honor astonished us with his kindness and his trust. His bravery, aside from mat monsters, shined in every new experience. The doubting Thomas in me, however, Refused to let go of the idea of a stampeding beast trying to jump into my lap like a scared puppy. I wasn't much for catching horses midair, and the trailer incident showed my lack of talent for it. For all Honor's docile tendencies, he still ripped around the paddock just to feel his legs. Furthermore, let's be honest, I still knew less about horses than I did neurosurgery, and if things went pear shaped, I'd get a chance to prove it. When I get A horse's front hoof, while at a sprint, hits the ground with 2,000 pounds of force. The human skull loses structural integrity at about 1,100, the sternum 960 pounds, and the strongest ribs around 400. This is why I hate math. I don't want to do this, I texted Missy. It'll be fine. Please take it off. This is a terrible idea. There are so many straps and buckles and things and a lot of thoroughbred underneath. Removing the blanket didn't make my hair stand on end. The wind did. The breeze, although warm and even pleasant, was stiff and relentless. Blanket, colt, wind. Hey, little thing, let me light your candle calls the mama. I'm sure all the hand and I just around. 
I reminded myself of Bucephalus and Alexander and how most legends are just a load of crap. I walked full circles around Honor, who stood at attention, but followed me with a twisting neck. Hello. I strategized my attack. I surmised to face him away from the wind and start from the front, working my way back. I walked to the north, and Honor followed suit. Now facing away from the south wind, he resumed repeating, Hello. I walked up to Honor and began rubbing and scratching his neck. His long winter coat vibrated with the wind. He was a hideous mutation of the short-haired colt I brought home. Neck deep in the throes of teenage morphology, Honor was ugly. Only a mother's love ugly. His head had swelled to an amorphous alien cranium far too large for his body. The bridge of his nose arched out like a prize fighter on the losing end. His fluffy coat grew dense, hiding any muscular lines and making his hay baby, read, belly even more pronounced than it already was. Only upon close inspection could one conclude Honor was in fact a horse and not a yak. I hoped it was just a stage. I also prayed his patience held firmer than his boyish good looks. I unbuckled the two straps across his chest, top latch first. Honor nibbled on my shirt. Yeah, good boy, just... Doing some grooming. That's all nice, friendly grooming. Please don't lose your shit. I don't speak louder than words, and I'm a man of great experience. I know you got another man, but I can love you better than him. Take my hand. I gave the top belt a tug against the latch and freed it from the buckle. The bottom one followed suit without incident. The genius who designed this blanket saw fit to at least put two stomach strap latches on one side. As the chest portion of the blanket split in the front, I slid to Honor's left side and twisted the front T-shaped latch just behind his armpit and unhooked it from its female end. No problems. I moved to the second, watching Honor's hind hoof like it was a coiled viper. I inched my hand up underneath Honor's flank to grab the second latch. I tugged it slightly and twisted. Take my hand, don't be afraid, I'm gonna prove every word I say. I'm advertising love for free, so you can place your hand Sweat collected on my face as Honor began to fidget. He adjusted and began to turn to his left toward me. The straps danced in the wind beneath him. A slight gust grabbed the left chest corner and the entire blanket slid to his right. I lunged back to the front, snatching the corner and pinning it to Honor's shoulder. I tried to calm him, but I was the one needing calming. My heart slapped against its 960-pound shield as I clasped both sides of the blanket around his neck with my left hand. I reset him on a heading of due north. Hello. Oh my god, Honor! I talked to him out loud. It relaxed my mind. Look, this shouldn't be difficult. You stand. That's literally all you have to do. Stand still. Don't freak out. We'll both get out of this alive. I have football to watch tonight, and I'd appreciate watching it from the couch and not a hospital bed. I held both sides of the chest opening with a sweaty death grip. The wind laughed warm air in my face as I pondered how to negotiate the next step. The final two straps crossed underneath Honor's two hind legs. The small black straps were simple enough, just two hooks affixed to rings. Pop the rings out, slide the blanket off, and if I did it fast enough, all the dishes in the table settings would remain in place. Honor's attention span dwindled, though. 
and I wasn't about to give up or even attempt to reattach anything. Why were snaps not an option? If an easy option existed, it giggled in the bushes out of sight. Honor tried to play with me, nipping at my arm, his head tucked downward, my nose filled with the smell of horse sweat being blown out from underneath the blanket. Oh, I should have bought the black mini pony. A slight deadness in the breeze spurred a flash of bravery. I thought, at least I thought, I timed it with the wind. I released my left hand, darted around Honor's left side, and slid to his rear end, his tail tangled with the straps. I frantically tugged hair out of the latch, disarming a nuclear bomb ticking down in its final seconds. My hands shook. Honor turned to say hello. The wind lied to me. The moment Honor turned was the moment nothing could be done. A proud antagonistic gust splashed against his chest and heaved the entire blanket vertical like a mainsail. Honor, the massive galleon underneath, adjusted his rudder and set a heading aimed at my skull, my sternum, and my ribcage. Hussein Bolt didn't have the speed to escape this. Oh shit. I wasn't even mad. The blanket unfurled in a blue flash, ripping back with the wind. The blue sail tugged against the leg straps, causing them to hinge against Honor's thighs. Torquing downward, the massive blue canvas slapped against the ground. I hadn't even had time to budge. At least it isn't a horse's ass this time. The straps pulled at Honor's hind hocks as it writhed on the ground behind him, fluttering, flipping, twisting, whipping, and slapping. I backed away in slow motion. Hello. What the f- Honor took four steps toward me. Front right, then rear left, out of the strap loop. Front left, rear right, out of the strap loop, freeing his hooves of their annoyances. The blanket bubbled for a moment longer on the ground, and in a blink, launched into the air, cartwheeling across the paddock until it slammed flat against the north fence. Hello. I texted Missy with a shaky, sweaty thumb. Blanket's off, piece of cake. Fear affects the mind and body in strange ways. In the steampunk mind of a horse, fear projects images of vicious, lunging tigers onto the retinas where a fluttering paper bag should be. I don't know that I will ever understand the inner workings of a horse's twisted and knotted thoughts, or why they seem hell-bent on making monsters out of rocks, puddles, and tree stumps. As rational humans, it's easy to dismiss a horse's spookiness as flighty behavior, even think it stupid. We reassure the horse the bag is just a bag. No six-inch canines, no razor claws, just a stupid bag, you stupid horse. However, horses don't own a monopoly on simplistic stupid fear. Horses don't fear death. At all. They may fear being killed, which is instinct, but the esoteric concept of death doesn't stress a horse in the least. Horses don't fear loss. They don't fear being hurt or let down. Horses don't manifest irrational emotional threats out of thin air. 
Horses don't fear confrontation, competition, or emotional turmoil. They don't fear adversity or even understand the idea. They don't yield to fear of regret, be it what they have done or what they have not. Horses are not tormented by a conscience laden by the past. They don't cater to caution when the gates open. They don't pause to worry about snapping cannon bones, bursting aortas, or bleeding lungs. They don't forfeit the race on feelings of inadequacy or the possibility of finishing last. A horse knows only the purest desire of running. A boundless ego, void of self-doubt. If he doesn't win, he doesn't burden himself with the shame or embarrassment. No horse ever questioned his greatness or his chance to run it down. No horse considers himself unlucky or fruitless. They don't anguish over how they should have done more, lived harder, accomplished more goals, or aspired higher. They don't abandon long-held hopes in favor of a dying wish. No horse ever cried on his deathbed, or ever had a reason to. No horse ever pitied himself. A horse knows what he is, and does not fear or resent what he is not. A horse staggers and rears at a parked car because it's his genetic programming. Flight is his nature. The fear pumping from his brain is a biochemical response he has no control over. But a horse's heart pumps only blood. Rich, life-giving superfuel drenched in explosive oxygen. Flight is a horse's nature. Ergo, a horse does not fear flying. No fear is born of a horse's heart, stupid human. We humans fear death in all its forms, literal, social, emotional, professional, spiritual, etc., the way horses fear broken branches. It fixates our reason, distorts our logic, and limits the potential of our very lives. It is the painful, constricting lie that our hearts project onto our retinas. Our fear of death and all its tributaries is our paper tiger. Maybe fear reflex kept us alive this long, but what is alive? Is it the same as existing? Do not mistake the fear of death for the will to live. One paralyzes, the other ignites the soul with fury. Distilled to its purest form, the bond between a horse and his human is this. The human's brain lets the horse know he has nothing to fear. The horse's heart returns the favor. Fear is a liar. You can't lie to a horse. A horse does not exist. He lives. This episode, I wanted to feature an equine-assisted therapy program out of Texas, as I haven't mentioned one yet, and the largest veteran population and huge chunk of this listening audience is located in Texas. Thing is, it's Texas, so you can imagine there's more than one or two. So rather than dig into the weeds on just one, I picked three, which I thought touched a few colors of this audience's spectrum. The first is... Last Resort Recovery in Smithville. It's about halfway between San Antonio and Houston. 
Primarily, this is a, quote, red zone rehab for facing addiction. This program is for men only. I know a lot of my brothers out there who need to get clean before they can rightfully hop in the saddle. And this place is legit. If you're truly seeking to dislodge yourself from that awful rut, last resort recovery is a solution. So if substance addiction is the nearest alligator to the boat, please drop by their website at www.lastresortrecovery.com. The website is thorough and has all the information you'll need to get started. The second program is Upward Transitions Therapeutic Horsemanship in the Hill Country just northwest of San Antonio. They offer therapeutic riding services for veterans with certain limitations. You can find out more and download a registration form at upwardtransitions.org. That's upward-transitions.org. The last program is Hooves for Heroes at eQuest on the southeast side of Dallas. Their specialized veteran program comes at no cost to veterans and includes mental health counseling, physical therapy, and therapeutic horsemanship. You can find more information on this program at www.equest.org. That's www.equest.org. There are many, many more in addition to these for you rowdy ruffians down there. Just take a quick Google search for therapeutic riding centers in Texas if you're looking for one closer by. And as always, for you guys at Hood, man, thoughts and prayers. I've had quite a few people reach out in the last several weeks with personal stories and questions. That's good. Please know that I will take the time to answer and talk with anyone reaching out. I will also not put you on blast unless you grant me permission. Or, unless your name is Bixler, and I've been holding out clowning on you for 10 episodes. (laughs) By the way, Bix, look at us now. It's as if binge-watching every single horror movie ever made had no long-term effect on us. Who knew? Also, uh, Andy in Texas has a therapy cow named Lollipop. Y'all, it's real. This cow is fire. I'm not kidding. His, His videos need to go viral. They're hysterical. Finally, if you know of any local equine-assisted therapy programs near you that you'd like to give some love to, shoot me a message on any of my social media. As always, stop by the website at tolivewithhonor.com for photos and extras for each episode. I'm Tim Finley. This is To Live With Honor. Live fierce. This all ends. <laughs>